Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me for her second appearance on the Blue Oval Podcast, first one with me, though, is Maura Beattie. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me again. So, yeah, I'm glad to have you, Mara. And what we wanted to do this week, uh, so Garrett and I, we talked about the most interesting or hardest to rank individuals going in on the going into this season on the men's side and we figured we should do the same thing on the women's side and I thought you would be a great person to talk to um so we'll get to that in a bit but I think uh one of the first things that we wanted to do um as always I I really need to plug this rating and review so Mara we were we were doing really well we were we were moving up we were we got all the way to 81 I think two weeks ago unfortunately we are still at 81 we did get a new review, so I don't know how we're still at 81. Someone must have revoked their review, which is terrible. Um, but we did get a new one that said Awesome Sauce, very informational. So shout out to whoever did that. Um, but Mara, can, can, you, can you give a, a motivating message real quick to get us a few more ratings and reviews? Um, I mean, with so much uncertainty in the world, I mean, if you're just sitting around and you need something to listen to, just hop on to the Blue Oval podcast and your your time will just fly by because you'll just be <laughs> so interested in what's been going on in the running world these days. I love it. Perfect. That'll listen listen to listen to her guys and go just Apple Podcast. Super easy. You guys can go in, uh, do that, and that'll really help us out. But before we get into uh, the hardest to rank women uh, going into the fall of 2020. Um, we did want to mention a few news items. So one of the biggest pieces of news was the ACC announcing that they're going to move forward with the cross-country season starting September 10th. Um, according to their press release, they uh, teams will have discretion uh, to schedule any regular season cross-country meets. The plan is to go ahead with the ACC championship in Cary, North Carolina, with all 15 teams uh competing on October 30th. And while this, this isn't obviously set in stone because as we all know, things can change. This is the first conference really to go ahead and say that they're going to have a season. Uh, at least they're planning on it with so many other conferences deciding that they're going to delay. Um, it, it's encouraging news. I think what is your, what are your thoughts on this Mara? I think it is really encouraging just so then these athletes have something to train for right now. Even though it's not set in stone, they have a goal now in mind that they still get to have somewhat of a season. And even if they don't get to go to some of the big meets that have already been canceled or meets that may only be held for certain conferences, they still have the opportunity to go out and race as of right now. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing. I know personally, from my experience, it, it's hard to go out there and, and train and, and do workouts at, without really knowing when I'm ever going to be able to race. And um, I think even even though I'm not in the ACC conference, seeing this news just made me kind of feel better uh, about the prospects of possibly at least running a race or two um, this season. We don't we obviously aren't sure about how things are going to play out, but um, this seems to be at least a little bit of a sign of hope um, as we move forward. And then the second piece of news that w- that I wanted to touch on 
is I think this was one of our first uh, guest uh, editorials that we had or, or writing that we had for the Stride Report. Emily Venters uh, wrote this really fantastic uh, article about um, her time this in the last year or so at, at Boise State and then at, at Colorado. Um, you got, I would re- highly recommend checking it out. It's the Trials and Tribulations of Emily Venters. Um, and kind of goes through how she's really struggled with injuries um, throughout this year. And it's been a really tough time for her. I, this is someone, Mara, that we, we were talking about in, going into last season as kind of an X factor for Colorado at, when she transferred from Boise State. An All-American, um, someone who's run 1545, uh, 908 for three for the 3K a really, really good runner and, and her, the lack of her presence on the team, I think was one of the reasons why Colorado wasn't as successful. Um, but her story is very inspiring in that she got knocked down so many times with injuries, but is continuing to press forward. And in times like these, as we've, we've mentioned a few times already, it, it's really hopeful and inspiring to see someone deal with adversity as well as she has. Yeah, and there's that saying where that comes up uh, during like the mental health awareness, especially when you're in college for the athletes, that says like it's okay to not be okay. And she really shows that through this that the um, runners, especially when you're at that high caliber, you're not immune to getting hurt. Like it's it can happen, and you just gotta deal with the trials that you get. And she found ways that even though she really struggled, she found a way to get herself back to where she wants to start going back towards competing at a high level. And it is inspiring because for some, I'm currently injured myself and to see somebody else kind of struggle with things that I sometimes feel, it's nice to see that there is like hope at the end of the tunnel per se. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you kind of hit it spot on the the first few comments that you said. It, it's easy for, I think, a lot of people, runners included, to think that this that their struggles with mental health or struggles with injury is something that just is happening to them. And it's a very isolating incident. And it can be very hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I, I think that people like Emily sharing their story it makes other people feel more open to sharing their story and if they need help getting help because I think it's one of those things where uh, unfortunately the old school mentality of just tough it out or uh, just fight your way through it um, doesn't work when you're injured or when you're having a tough time uh, with your mental health Um, And so I I really do think that her story and her willingness to share that, um, share the adversity that she's gone through will really help other athletes, especially those at the high school ranks who are looking up to this college All-American, help help them share their story and get help whenever they face this kind of adversity. Yeah, and I think that when you start to share your struggles in this any kind of format, especially when it's in writing, it actually makes you stronger because you're willing to make yourself vulnerable to other people. So now everyone sees what you've dealt with, but you can try and get yourself back to be put up kind of on a pedestal for the people who 
are looking up to you to really try and make yourself who you want to be, even though you've struggled in the past. Yeah, that's that's a great point. So we really appreciate Emily uh, doing this article and, and sharing it with us. It certainly is inspiring. And if you haven't read it, uh, I would give it a look. Um, it is on the Stride Report. And it, again, it is the trials and tribulations of Emily Venters. Um, so we really appreciate Emily doing that. But uh, we shall seg- segue to our five most interesting or hardest to rank women going into the fall of 2020. So Mara, I had you come up with a list before we came on here. Um, and we can just start start out with uh, the first name on your list. Who is the most difficult woman for you to rank going into this 2020 season? In no specific order. This was just kind of as my <laughs> mind went. Um, Lauren Gregory of Arkansas was really difficult to actually rank this year. Just I, I had her on the list too. Yeah, because so, like when she, start. when she is healthy, she's a really key member of the Razorbacks roster. And even when she's not at full strength, she's still a key member. As last year, she was the number five at the end of the season. And she is of like national caliber in the college in the college world, but she just hasn't been able to put it all together in a championship race for cross country. I mean, she went from 72nd in 2019. And, but before that she was a DNF in 2018 and 252nd in 2017. So she is on the trend upwards, but (laughs) as long as she's injury free this season, things could look up for her and she could place in the top 40 as her talent and credentials show for her. Yeah, so she's, an, an, as you pointed out, a very interesting person to look at from her 2019 season because I think we can all agree that her 2019 regular season wasn't quite what we were expecting of her, and I think that was due to injury. Um, and yet she was able to have her best NCAA finish, uh, finishing 72nd, whereas last year, or in 2018, excuse me, she had a very strong um, regular season. She was 10th at uh, Wisconsin pre-nationals. She was third at SECs, third at regionals, and then just had a terrible day at NCAAs and DNF. Uh, but she would go on to run 855 in the 3K, 432 in the mile that following winter. And we kind of were expecting her to show some big things. She went on to run 1542 outdoors in the 5K. And we really thought she was going to be a big part of the Arkansas championship team. And she ended up being critical member, obviously with that uh, in the fifth spot. But there's like, like we said, we feel like there's so much more there for her. If she can put it together and is healthy this coming year. Yeah. And she's also got, she's going to be the, one of the top returners for Arkansas along with her teammate, Abby Gray. And it's going to be a lot of weight on her shoulders, so hopefully she is strong heading into this season because I have faith that she can be a top 40 on any given day when she is at full strength. Well, so that's, that was kind of what I was going to ask next. Do you What, what do you see as like her, her ceiling? I, I think we can both agree 
that top 40 is is very doable. Um, and I think that was kind of one of the reasons why it was hard for me looking at her to, to kind of get a sense of where she should be ranked because I think top 40 is definitely doable. I'm a little nervous that she hasn't really quite put it together uh, on an NCAA stage and doesn't quite have that proven track record of it. But also, I, I feel like if you're looking at talent alone, you could even say that she should be a top 20 runner. Um, do you think that's kind of her ceiling if, if everything clicks? Um, I'm a little hesitant to say top 20. I'm thinking more so like top 35. Just with the fact that she hasn't pieced it all together right at the national meet yet. And that's a whole different ball game when you're up in that top 40. So that's why I just don't know if I could say top 20. I'm going to say at least top 35. Yeah, okay, that's that's fair. I, I think she is interesting to watch, though, as someone who is just a very uh, a high, has a high variance. Uh, we could definitely see her, like you said, that top 40, top 35. But as we've seen before, she could very well be further back than that um even with her talent just based off of her ncaa experience um but mara i'll give you my the first name on my list and that is let's see who did i have i will go with uh brogan mcdougall of wisconsin so i had a few different people i had some like newcomers that i was having a tough time i was having some some trouble with um, some people coming back from injury, those who have maybe approved a lot from this last year, but didn't really, we didn't see that at NCAAs. But, and McDougal really falls in that newcomer category. Uh, The Canadian coming in to transferring into Wisconsin has stellar PRs of 908 in the 3K and 1606 in the 5K. Uh, I'm really curious to see how that how like her experience in from Canada translates to the NCAA scene and because of that I I I mean the PRs on the track obviously are what they are but as we all know cross country is a little different ball game so it's it's I'm having a really tough time gauging where she should fit in our rankings I do like that pick it will be it was a good pickup for Wisconsin considering that Amy Davis and Alicia Monson have both now graduated. So she will come in and look to fill those roles. And I would agree that it is hard to rank her just based on the differences between the NCAA and Canada's cross-country seasons just because of the differences in athletes competing, the types of meets you go to, and the overall racing conditions and tactics that are there. Yeah. And I, I mean, I guess I'm not as concerned about what she'll look like during the regular season, whatever the regular season looks like this year, who knows Um, the smaller meets and all all that. I, I think that'll be, she'll, she'll be able to run pretty well. I, I guess I'm just curious what she'll be able to do in her first year in the NCAA system. As we've kind of mentioned with Lauren Gregory, even if you're a really talented runner, that NCAA uh, race where there's so many top quality athletes, the race is run a little differently. Um, how she'll be able to react and perform to that, 
because I think like like you were mentioning, Wisconsin's losing a lot, and I I think they are really going to need a at least fringe All American kind of season from McDougal for them to be as at least try to stay near the the competitiveness as they were in 2019. And I just I don't know if we should be expecting that from uh, even a, a, a more mature, stronger athlete um, who's not coming in as a freshman, I, I still wonder if that's too high of expectations for someone coming in in their first year. I think the fact that McDougal is also entering the Big Ten, she's going to have a lot of good competition to compete against, like from all the likes of Michigan and Michigan State, and even the girls from Illinois and Ohio State. She's going to have some good competition to help her be prepared for whatever she gets to face at nationals. So it will be interesting to watch her as with whatever kind of season we get and how she'll progress her first year competing here. That's a good point. There aren't many conferences as competitive in the country on the men or women's side as the big 10 for the women. I, I mean, the amount of teams that they sent to NCAAs last year, uh, it was truly incredible, and I think was it was it eight teams that made it? Most likely, because I mean, <laughs> you just start losing count from that side of the from the Great Lakes and the Midwest regionals. Right. Yeah. I, I I just remember like Ohio State like finishing like well outside the top five or something at Big Tens, and then still easily qualifying for nationals. It's uh, it is such an interesting conference. But Mara, give me your second team or second individual that you had a tough time ranking. I'm going to go with Mercy Shalangit. I'm going to butcher that last name. She runs for Alabama now. Um, she was only ninth at the South Cross Country Regional last year, and she just missed qualifying. But she ran a 1537 indoors, which ultimately qualified her for the indoor national meet even though we didn't get to race it. So that was one of the top times in the nation. And for her not even to qualify for NCAAs and then go and drop that kind of PR, it kind of it made it really difficult to rank her because she's running the same time as some of those top women. And she was only 35th at Joe Piani, 37th at Prenats, and then 10th at SEC. So not like mind-boggling places but the fact that she was so strong indoors makes me like really interested to see what she gets to do when she is racing again after such strong races yeah she was someone that i i had on my list as well and for a lot of the same reasons that we have this track uh, no pun intended, track record of her on the track um, that is extremely compelling. One that, like you said, is almost a top 25, top 30 type of resume with that 1537. You just don't see that every day from a collegiate woman. But then you also are comparing this with her cross-country resume, which she was 10th at SEC's, which, which is fine, which is good, but it's not obviously someone that that place is not indicative of an All-American finish. Um, Arkansas pretty much dominated the top five at SECs. So I, I don't know 
like like we've talked about in the few in the in the past, we see athletes who are just fit for the track. They just compete better there. The the rhythm, the way the races run, they can handle that a lot better than they can in cross country. And maybe Chen Lagat is one of those runners who just struggles a little bit more on the cross course. So trying to find a, a adequate place to rank her, I, I think she probably deserves a top uh, a spot in our top 50 just because the talent is clearly there. You don't run 1537 by accident. You don't run. I mean, she even went on it to run 916 in the 3K at SEC where she was fourth and finished second in the 5K against obviously a lot of really good Arkansas women. So you can't do that without having plenty of talent. Where she fits in that top 50, though, I, I mean, you could really tell me almost anywhere within that 30 to 50 range because the, the talent is clearly there, but the, the track record is just there there is not i mean ninth at south regionals is good and the fact that she she almost made it to nationals i guess is a good point um but for someone running a 1537 that shouldn't that there shouldn't have been any guess that she would have made nationals yeah i agree with what you're saying it's gonna be interesting to see how her track record goes over to the cross country course especially being from alabama it's I don't, I've never been to Alabama, but the weather is more conducive to somebody who's trying to train for track just because it's nice year round, even though it can be humid. It just seems to be a better place sometimes for track running. But I mean, she does have her teammate Esther Gatahi returning this season, and maybe the two of them will just work together and she can find herself in that top 50 easily then. Yeah, absolutely. We, we certainly could see that. So I'll go with my number two pick. So this kind of comes from the category of has been injured, coming back, not really sure where she fits after she's coming back from injury. And this is one of Stanford's newest runners, Aubrey Roberts. One of the, if not the biggest transfer of uh, the transfer palooza, of 2020, uh, at least one of the biggest transfers, certainly. Uh, huge, huge impact for Stanford. This is someone who's run 1532 in the 5K, has been an All-American on the cross course, um, someone who's qualified many times for nationals on the track, and she was 18th at the 2018 NCAA championship. This is someone who really could be not only an All-American, but a, a almost a fringe title contender if she's on on the right day. And she'll have plenty of great people to train with at Stanford. Stanford's going to be uh, one of the best teams in the country and maybe the favorite to take home the title if we run this year. But we haven't really seen a whole lot of her. Last time we saw her was February 28th when she ran at the BU last chance qualifiers and she ran 1633. She had run 1607 earlier in the year, which showed that she was on her way back to where she was before injury, but we have not seen her on the cross course since 2018. And it's really hard to get a gauge of where she's like, I mean, and we're going to be saying this about a lot of people because we haven't seen anybody race since indoor season, but it's hard for me to, 
know where to properly rate her because like I said, I, I really do think she could be one of those fringe title favorites if everything falls right. Um, I do agree she will be hard she is hard to rank just with since we haven't seen our race on the grass in a while. I don't know if I would say a title contender just based on the fact that she hasn't raced in so long on the grass, but definitely a top 15 athlete on the right day. And the fact that she's got these new teammates at Stanford who are right there with her, if not like just in front of her, is going to really help build, like, build her confidence up again after taking some time off. Even though she did get to run the track season, even though it was abbreviated, um, she did show some promise heading into the outdoor season if there would have been one. And transferring is a good, I would say, a good op- good opportunity for her now because she gets a fresh start. And sometimes a fresh start is all you need when you want to get back to where you wanted to be. Yeah, and you mentioned those teammates. She'll obviously have Ella Donahue and, and Jessica Lawson and and honestly, I, I think if things click, I think we could see uh, those three runners duplicating what BYU had uh, last year, where they had Orton, Burke Jarvis, and Courtney Wayman all within the top 10 at NCAAs. I, I think that seems like a reasonable uh, projection if everything goes right. And I, I think that's what's so compelling to me about Roberts. Uh, and like you mentioned, I think the transfer to Stanford is going to really help her she's going from northwestern where she didn't necessarily have a whole lot of uh teammates that were at her level to train with at stanford she's not going to have just one she's going to have uh like at least three or four um which i think is going to be really helpful as for her as she enters this fall season um but like you but your concerns are certainly valid and and one of the reasons why it's it's i can't go ahead and say that she should be a, like a top 10 runner. Um, we just haven't seen her. And when we saw her on the track, like you said, it was promising, but it's not, it wasn't like a great indicator that, Oh, she's fine. She's completely back from injury. She's the same old Aubrey Roberts from 2018 when she finished 18th at nationals. I will say though, she will be very instrumental in the possibility for Stanford to try and, pick up that national championship as a team. Yeah, I I think her her transfer, I think I was leaning towards NC State um, as the favorite, but with, with the news of her transfer, I, I think it's hard to say that Stanford isn't the favorite when you look at their the entirety of their lineup and the adding of someone in Roberts who should be an All-American. And in a lot of ways, she could end up being the X factor for who does win the national championship, as you mentioned. Oh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting season to see what happens with her and her ability to get back onto the grass. All right, Mara, why don't you give me your third woman? Okay, seeing that we have had two of the same on the list already, (laughs) I'm going to go with Maddie Denner of Notre Dame. I do not have her. Okay, so... I really like the possibility of her being in the top 50. She was really strong during the regular season last year. She was first at the Valparaiso Crusader and then first at National Catholic Invite, 25th at Joe Piani, and then she jumped all the way up to 11th at Nuttycomb. At Nuttycomb, she was only seven seconds away from the top six. 
So she was right there. She finished alongside her teammate, Anna Rower, who was, who was a very strong and dominant athlete during her time in the NCAA. Um, finishing third at ACC's was strong, but then at the Great Lakes, she kind of faltered a bit and she finished 38th, which was surprising seeing that she had finished 11th against pretty much the same kind of competition at Nuttycomb. So she got, she was lucky with Notre Dame still qualifying for NCAAs and she bounced back to 81st at NCAAs, but I just feel like she is she has the talent for way more than 81st. So it will be interesting to see what she can do when she actually ties everything together the entire season. Yeah, she's she's a great name, one that I hadn't really thought of much, but you're absolutely right. Her her season as a whole was very interesting because you look at it and it and it seems like she's kind of on this upward trajectory uh, where 25th at Joe Piani, maybe not her best, but then 11th at Nettycomb is is super impressive. And then the third at ACC's is also a very, very strong result. And then to go and kind of lay an egg a little bit at regionals, it was surprising. And then NCAAs, I, I think we can both agree that it was it's not a bad performance by any stretch of the imagination, but it certainly not wasn't probably one that she was thrilled with. Um, so I, I completely agree with you that she's, she definitely had the talent to be much better than 81st in the country last year. And, but how much better? And and that's kind of the question that I keep coming back to when I'm trying to decide where she should be ranked is how, how much better was she last year than her performance at NCAAs? And, And if I think you can answer that question, I think it's much easier to determine where she should be ranked going into 2020. Uh, no, I think that's the question of the day here. How do you just, <laughs> how do you rank somebody just ba- like looking, you want to look for that consistency, but sometimes the consistency just isn't there, especially on a day at nationals when it was really bad weather. I mean, I wasn't there, but I remember watching the race online and I know I watched my brother after the women had already run and, there was mud everywhere. It was raining. It looked like it was snowing at one point and it was freezing cold. So sometimes you got to take that weather into consideration, but I don't know. I want to say she's top 50. I just can't pinpoint where. Yeah. And I, I think you're probably right. I think around that, that 50, 60 range is probably where she should have been last year. The weather certainly probably played a part in that. And if that's the case, then I, I think, she should certainly be seen as at least a, an All-American favorite going into this year, another year of improvement. And she had a, a pretty solid track uh, indoor track season. She ran PRs in the 3K and the 5K, running 9.15 and 16.15. Certainly marks that show that she's continuing to improve as a runner and times that really put her in that All-American discussion um, times that are very comparable to those who have been in the All-American positions. So I, a great choice on on Denner. I, I think she's certainly one to keep an eye on this year because uh, the amount that she's able to improve, um, I think, is is a very big question going in for her and for Notre Dame this year. Yeah, now I'm interested to hear what your number three is. Okay, here we go. So I have um, Caitlin Tui. 
And I think she was kind of the easy answer to this question because the best, probably the best high school runner we've ever seen, uh, the performances that she put down during her time in high school are incredible. Three-time NXN uh, winner, which is the first time that has happened on the men or women's side. Um, and then her her race against like professionals at um, the the what was it the cross country um, USATF uh, cross country nationals or club club nationals uh, to finish second in that I think was very eye opening as well. So we we know all of this, and I think we've we, Garrett and I have talked about this. We've seen women come in from high school and translate a lot better on the NCAA scene than we have on the men's side. So I, I think it's not re it's not unreasonable to say that Tui could come in and be a top 20 runner, but at the same time, she's going to be running at a level that she's never competed against, against fields that are way better than she's ever experienced uh, in conditions that will likely be very different um than she's ever experienced so how she reacts to that i i am very curious to figure out and if she's able to handle that i i really do think the talent is there to be i i don't dare i say top 10 as a freshman um but the lack of experience and the lack of just knowledge that we have about how she's going to be able to go into NC state and train with those ladies uh, and how that's going to affect her just leaves me a little uncomfortable making any definitive declarations about where she's going to finish as a freshman. I also had Caitlin Tui on my list in the beginning. I was very hesitant to pick a true incoming freshman just because we don't exactly know how they're going to do once they get on that NCAA scene even though they have the times and the credentials, it's a whole different ball game once you get against women who are like anywhere from two to five years older than you. And she is a very talented runner. I will give her that. I mean, you look at her times that she puts down, and those are some of the times that like the that could win nationals and times that would put her in the top ten at a national meet alone. So it's really hard to pick somebody when you don't know like how they're going to do in their first season. I mean, she could redshirt just to get used to the training or they'll race her at NC State because NC State is going to have a team that is going to be out for the title. And she could be a major factor in that with her teammates up front. I mean, she's got two teammates who are already All-Americans and All-Americans who are right up there who could be in the top 15. So when I want to rank her, I would say she's at least a top 15, maybe top 20 athlete at NCAAs. But I don't know if I could go higher than anything, or I don't know if I could go, I don't think I can go lower than top 20, like towards top 50 or anything. But it will just be interesting to see how she does in a race where there's different tactics and teams are out for points and it becomes a true like bloodbath for who wins what. 
I mean, like you said, she, her some of her PRs put her against the best in the country. I, I think fifteen thirty seven in the five k on the track is certainly exceptional and something that is, is a time that really puts her next to anybody um, in the country. So I, I agree with you. I, I was hesitant. There's some other true freshmen that I, I, I almost put on this list because it, it's so hard to judge what they can do, but that we have seen freshmen come in and perform pretty well. Uh, Melanie Smart comes into mind um, and Erica Vanderland uh, from last year. But I, I decided to go with just Tui on my list because of just the exceptional talent that is clearly there and the potential for her to be almost a, uh, a generational talent on the NCAA scene for this next four years. Um, but at the same time, trying to hold myself back from getting too, oh, like hyping her up too much before this 2020 season when she's never run an NCAA race. Oh, I completely agree. It was, I kept going back and forth between putting her on my list and not just because it's going to be difficult to see how she does in these races. I know the fresh, some women do really well their freshman season and she could be one of those and I don't see her not. It's just, it's sometimes just hard to pick against somebody who has no results compared to someone who has results in the NCAA. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. All right. So who do we have at number four? Um, Someone who is on the fringe, I feel like for top 50 and just missed, it's got to be Taryn O'Neill of Northern Arizona. So I like, I like that name. Did you have her on your list? I did not, but I thought I thought long and hard about it. Okay. So, I mean, she transferred from Villanova last season at the beginning of the year and she came on and made an immediate impact for the Lumberjacks and was consistent all season for them, was 13th at Joe McNichols, 6th at the Big Sky, and then was 24th at the Mount Regional. Her big breakout, though, came at Nutty Kelm when she was 20th. And the women she was beating and the women she was around would go on to become All-Americans, and she had, the, she had that potential going forward. And... The fact that she was able to also lead NAU to nationals as a team was big because that gave her teammates to be there with. She was a little, she faltered a little bit at NCAAs and finished 123rd, but I still feel like she's a, right there around the top 50. She acclimated well to the altitude training and the different coaching philosophy pretty well just based on those early season results. So I think if she can stay, stay consistent all the way through the season, she's going to be right there fighting for an All-American spot. Yeah, I like this name because she's someone who uh, has experience on the national stage, but hasn't really had that breakthrough on, on the national stage yet. She, When she was at Villanova, uh, she was 174th at nationals in 2018. Um, and then, like you said, last year was um, a little bit better than that, but not within the top 100. But that that Nuttycomb performance, as you mentioned, I mean, 20th at Nuttycomb is almost like, I mean, if you finish within the top 15 at, or top 20 at Nuttycomb on the men or women's side, you're automatically 
penciled in, in my mind, as an All-American contender um, because the races are usually that deep and that strong. And if you can perform well there against a big, strong field that really simulates NCAAs in a lot of ways, then I think you should be able to do well when November rolls around. Um, so it was surprising to see her fall off a little bit. But this is, I mean, again, this is someone who has like good track accolades as well 913 in the 3K, 445 in the mile during her time at Villanova, a, a, a really proven runner. And I think the accumulation of, experience at the national scene along with another year with NAU another year to adapt to the altitude to adapt to the training I I find it hard to believe that she won't be at least a all-american contender or at least someone within that top 50 yeah and even though she didn't race the indoor track season this past spring it feels like it was like years ago just based on everything going on in the world I'm not even concerned about that because with the way it is for so many people right now, sometimes right now it's just best to just keep on training and grinding away at that to get ready for whatever kind of season we have. I know that the big sky came out that they postponed the season till mid-September, but that's just going to give them more fuel for the fire to really want to get going and prove that you are one of the top and she is right up there with them, especially with her blue hair, which has got to be my favorite. <laughs> yeah. She, she was an easy one to pick out with the yellow singlet and the blue hair. There, there weren't a whole lot of uh, runners out there that looked quite like that. Yeah. So who do you have as your number four? I had on my list uh, as my fourth runner, Adva Cohen of New Mexico. And she was, she kind she didn't really fit a, like mold necessarily for me um whether it was someone coming back from injury or a newcomer or someone who's improved dramatically she was just someone that went through kind of a very weird experience um that i think ryan smeaton did as well where they competed on at the world championship and then came back to try to run uh a cross-country season afterwards which I don't know how they they did that. That sounds like just eight or nine months of straight of just very intense training. I I can't imagine doing that. Um, And at the highest stage, no less. So her 2019 season was was a lot shorter than most. She only competed at conference regionals and nationals. And she was 33rd at Mountain West, but then was 15th at Mountain Regionals and then 55th at nationals, which is tremendous when you go from 33rd at your conference meet to 55th at nationals. She clearly was able to get fit very quickly after what I'm sure was a short break after her world championship performance. Um, I'm just really curious to see what she could do over a full year. Uh, if 55th after a, a weird set of training circumstances is a possibility for her, I, I'm very curious to see what she could do uh, with a full season under her belt. This is, I mean, someone who's run 1531 for the 5K is a really good steeplechaser, 944 in that event. Um, but I just don't know if maybe maybe 55th is kind of her ceiling. She's she had previously come in 43rd 
2018. So you got to think there's a little bit more left in there where she could crack that top 40. But I, I keep going back and forth on whether or on how much further she can be, um, how much further up she can finish um, with a full healthy and normal track or lead up into the fall cross country season. I have considered Cohen for my list. However, I kept her off because I'm not too concerned about her. I think that she is somebody who has proven herself on the NCAA scene, especially in track and even coming to the NCAA after competing at, um, was Iowa's, it's like Iowa Central Community College or some kind of like Juco in Iowa. I always get confused because there's too many C's in that name. <laughs> and she's proven herself numerous times on the track. And you did, you have it right. I mean, finishing 33rd at the Mountain West and then 55th at Nationals, that means she passed so many people because. A lot of those women who run in the Mountain West did not end up qualifying for NCAA. So she was able to get herself back into some shape to compete almost for a national um, All-American title for herself. And I don't know, I'm just not concerned with her. I have faith that she can be somebody who belongs in the top 35. And she's got the teammates there to help her along. So... I just don't see her being as somebody I need to be too concerned to watch because I know she'll be right up there. And that's that's definitely a fair point. I guess I my question is, can she be a top 20 runner? And I think that's kind of where my interest is in her because the, the 1531, the 944, and the steeple, it, it's not too unlike what, we have seen from like someone like Ali Ostrander who had had much better cross country performances in the past. And I, I just am curious if, I mean, obviously finishing 43rd and 55th is outstanding, but I wonder if there's just another level for her to go up where she could be that top 20, even top 15 kind of caliber runner who is not only an all American, but someone who is, like no doubt all American and pushing towards the front half of that group. I, that, I think that's why I'm interested to see her in this coming season. I will give you that. That one will be an interesting thing to watch with her PRs. If she can be where they indicate for her on the grass. Absolutely. All right. So we are to our fifth name, right? So yes, who's the, who is the last name on your list? I'm going to go with Grace Forbes of rice. So, I mean, as a true freshman, she went and dropped an 8.56 3K, out of, like practically out of nowhere. <laughs> our, our group chat went a little crazy, I think, after that happened. I think it did. And, I mean, you don't really hear too much about Rice because it's a small school in Texas. I mean, they've had success in the past with a runner here and there, but that kind of comes, like, every so many years. It's not like Rice is a... BYU where they just crank out somebody like three women year after year. So I mean with an 856 and a 440 mile this past indoor season, I'm interested to see what she can do on the grass. I mean she was 87th last year at NCAAs, which is a very respectable respectable place as a freshman. But 
she had entered college injured last year, I remember reading a few weeks ago. And after that, she was a top six finisher each meet before qualifying for NCAAs. And she wasn't going and competing at the top meets of the season, like of the season. She was going to some of the smaller ones. And coming out of nowhere, I mean, she placed sixth at the South Central Regional behind Arkansas's roster. So she's right there with the women. So, I mean, I don't know how high I can get her with the 856 3K. I mean, that's right up there with, like, the likes of Ella Donahue and Jessica Lawson and Whitney Orton. But I would definitely say at least in the top 30. Yeah, I, I, this is a great example, again, of someone who has track times that would indicate a better performance than on the grass. But unlike a lot of those runners that we've talked about, this is a freshman who didn't, who was acclimating to her first season competing on the NCAA stage and still finishing 87th at nationals, which I, I think is extremely uh, under, uh, extremely underrated performance uh, that 87th at NCAAs as a freshman. But for her to go from that to 856, like it would be one thing to go from 87th to 905. I think we would all be, oh, I mean, clearly she's getting better. She's making steps. This is kind of the progress and, and linear trajectory that we would expect from someone like Grace Forbes. But to go 856, like that, that you're, that's you're catapulting yourself from top 100 NCAA runner who's good, one of the best runners in the country, to 856, you're you're like not only an All-American candidate, but you're like a surefire almost All-American candidate who should be qualifying for NCAAs on the track, like NCAAs in the track, and not only qualifying, but being one of the favorites to score. Um it's just in a, that one race really changed, I think, the per- perception of her in a lot of ways. And it's easy to get carried away with that. And I so I, I think the concern is we need to see it on the cross-country course. Her, We need to see that improvement translate to the grass. And we need to kind of see that maybe that wasn't just like a fluke because she didn't run again after that. Obviously, we had... Uh, the cancellation of of nationals, which prevented her from doing so. But we really haven't seen that many great performances from her. Obviously, the 440 mile is is very solid, but it's not necessarily an 856 in the 3K. Um, So I'm with you. I I think top 30 is definitely in there, but I worry about placing her that high with very little NCAA race experience to go off of. Completely agree, and that is why I've got her in my list because she's going to be someone who's <laughs> interesting to watch. And her name right now is after that, after her track times, you just hope that somewhere there's some correlation between cross country and track for her. Yeah, I, I hope so, and I and I think she probably will because I mean you don't run an eight fifty six and not be able to compete well on the grass. Um, and, and to, like I said, the 87th, I think as, a, as a freshman, I think she'll learn from that experience a lot and, and I undoubtedly improve, but how much will be, will be an interesting one to see. Okay. So let's see who your last one is. All right. So I, I think that this runner was probably ranked 
higher on this list, but I, I think I just forgot about her, quite frankly, was is Anne Forsyth of Michigan. Um, and she is an interesting candidate for me because we haven't seen a whole lot of her. Um, and because of that, I I wonder what we're, we can expect from her in 2020. She was one of the kind of breakout stars for Michigan in 2018 um, when she finished eighth at Big Tens, third at Great Lakes, and then 46th at NCAAs. And went on to run um, some decent track times, 16-17 in the 5K, 4.47 in the mile. But we really just haven't seen a whole lot of her. And because of that, I, I just wonder what we can... And I think Michigan as a, as a team is kind of interesting in that regard as well. There's They have some runners who were injured last year. Uh, they were still successful, but they, they were still missing some key pieces. Um, so I, I kind of am seeing Forsyth as, as someone who can kind of uh, be almost an image of this whole entire team. But I, I'm just very fascinated. 46th as a freshman, um, obviously she has uh, Erica Vanderland as a teammate who was also very successful as a true freshman last year. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Forsyth can get, get back to that level. She was at 2018 because if you can, I, I think she's right there with Vanderland. I do agree with that. And she, Forsyth is somebody who can be right up there at least in the top 40, I believe just based on her success as a freshman red shirting last year, she didn't put up some top performances as expected. I mean, she could have been injured. There could have been some other reasons for why she redshirted the season. We don't know. And that kind of makes her a wild card going into the season, especially for Michigan, because Michigan always brings in some top talent, and then they produce some great results as true freshmen and sophomores and just all the way up through the rest of their careers for them. So – she was somebody who, when I was going through the rankings, it was hard to pick for where she belongs just because we haven't seen her com- compete in a while and we don't know what kind of form she's in. But I do agree that she is somebody who should be kept an eye on just based on everything prior to her 2019-2020 seasons. And and I mean, even in 2018, we didn't really, like I said, we only saw her in the postseason. We saw her at conference regionals and NCAA. So it's, it's not as if we have this long track record of her being uh, super successful on the NCAA level. So I, I think that's another reason why I just, I go back and forth. The talent is obviously there to be a top 40 runner, as you mentioned, but I, I, keep coming back to the the lack of experience, the lack of races that we've seen from her and, and the performances while redshirted last year that just weren't indicative of the talent that, it, that she clearly has. So I, I kind of am struggling about whether or not I think she should be in our top 50. I, I think based on the talent and potential alone, she has a good shot, but I, the the lack everything that we've talked about about the possible injuries and uh, among other things i it's kind of holding me back 
I do see her as at least an honorable mention for the preseason ranking just because of her record. But, I mean, she was eighth as a true freshman at Big Tens, and that's her first race of the season. I mean, how do you just go and put up a top (laughs) ten place in such a difficult conference? In a conference that produces women who go and finish in, like, the top five. Like, yearly, you have, for the most part, you get somebody who finishes in the top five at Nationals, and she was right up there practically alongside them until someone just put in a move. So, I mean, honorable mention is right there for her. And if it comes together and she's not injured and she can work well with her teammates and she's where she was as a freshman, that's where I, that's where I can see her just hitting that top 40. Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think that's, that's probably the right way to, to look at her season coming up. But um, her and the, and the rest of the Michigan team, I think, will be a fascinating to one fascinating team to watch obviously a lot we'll have our eyes on stanford and nc state but i I think in terms of potential i I think michigan could be one of those few teams that has the runners to actually compete with those two teams um if we get that far of course um but yeah mara i think that wraps it up for our our five runners did you have any like honorable mentions you wanted to quickly shout out um, I'm not going to go into much detail about her, but the only other person I had on my list that neither of us talked about was Paige Hofstead of UNC. So I just think that she can really get up there. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a good name. I, I I also had one. I had Christina Aragon uh, as someone who um, has shown some flashes and is, if healthy, could certainly be someone that is productive for this really good Stanford team. But Mara, thank you for coming on. Um, I think this was a really good exercise and and makes me really excited for the cross-country season, but um, that hopefully we at least get to see some races and get a few of these answers, a few answers to some of the questions we just asked. Oh, I completely agree. I don't know what will happen if I don't don't get to see (laughs) some results and do my nightly reading after I go to work. Yeah, we will... I think maybe realize how addicted we all are to this sport if we don't get our fix here again soon. Um, so, but yeah, thank you for, for jumping on. Uh, we will have Garrett back on next week, but I, I, as you did last time when I, when you filled in for me, you filled in uh, admirably and we will certainly have you on at a later time. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Well, until next week when we uh, have Garrett back on, we'll talk to you. Okay, have a good night.